Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from the book of James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now, I believe the book of James was written by the brother of Jesus Christ, James being the bishop or the elder in the church of Jerusalem, we find him in Acts chapter 15, a very influential member of the Jerusalem church. James, if you remember from the Gospels, we can infer did not believe in his brother Jesus. We do know in 1 Corinthians 15 that James is mentioned as one of the people that the risen Christ appeared to, and my theory is that James became a believer in his brother Jesus because of the resurrection. So probably throughout the ministry of Christ, there were doubts. But then after seeing his brother raised from the dead, James was convinced of the validity of the claims of Jesus. He he ends up being a very strong leader in the church. We know that Paul meets James after his conversion. We know in Acts chapter 15, when the question comes before the Jerusalem church about Gentiles and how they should receive the law of Moses, it's James who presides over that council along with Peter and Paul. A very important person. Now, who is James writing to? Because this this will help us make sense of today's passage. I believe James is writing to a group of Christians that have been dispersed. He says they are the diaspora in chapter 1. He addresses the 12 tribes of Israel who are part of the diaspora. This is who this book is addressed to. If you look at Acts chapter 11, you'll remember that persecution comes to the Jerusalem church and they scatter. I believe this is the group of people that have scattered because of the persecution. This book is probably written very early. So you're talking one of the earliest books written in the New Testament. I think around 44 or 45 AD is when this book was written. So James is writing as a pastor, as an elder of a church to his former members people that have had to spread out and go to other places, and he's heard of some trouble that's happening. And today's passage is about a Sunday gathering. So imagine a church that's come together to worship and what's going on inside that assembly. Imagine a church building that probably doesn't look much different than how our churches look today. We know the synagogues in that time had what we would consider kind of like pews, benches that you could sit upon, and a configuration that would be similar to a church building. So You can kind of visualize what this would look like, this building that James is going to talk about. So James is writing about a a specific situation, a problem that's happening in these churches where these people have dispersed, okay? Let's read these seven verses and get this very practical teaching from James. My brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions between yourselves and become judges with evil evil thoughts or evil intentions? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in the faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? 
So some interesting things to note here. This idea of favoritism. So here's the, the picture, okay? We have this idea of an assembly. So you call yourself Christians is what he says in verse 1. You have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is who you are. A man with a gold ring. A gold ring would be a sign of an equestrian, an upper class in Roman society. So this is one of the upper class people in Rome. Comes into your assembly. Now the word for assembly here, interestingly enough, is synagogue. This is a Christian synagogue, okay? So this would be a group of Christians meeting in kind of a synagogue kind of structure. So you have two people come into the assembly. You can imagine a Sunday morning, a guy dressed in fine clothing. Actually, in the Greek, his his clothing is shining. And you have a poor person come in. In verse 3, it says, you know, if you show favoritism or you pay attention to actually that literally the greek word there is you receive the face that's a translation of a of a hebrew term this idea of showing the face in other words showing favoritism literally you're looking toward this guy in fine clothing in a different way you're going to treat him different so you tell this rich guy he comes in you say sit here on a good seat you know in our buildings sit here up front with us in a place of honor and the poor person who, the connotation here, they're wearing smelly rags, so they don't smell good, they look bad, they're poor. Literally in the Greek it says, sit here as my footstool. Kind of harsh when you think about it. He says, okay, you've made distinctions now that are evil. Now what does he mean by evil judgments? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, Levit- Leviticus 19, the same chapter where we get the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, we also get this in Leviticus chapter 19, 15. God says this to Israel a long time ago. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. In other words, don't show distinctions. That's evil to do that. Don't show distinctions based on class. Now, some people, more liberal scholars, would say, James is about liberation theology, and it's anti-rich, and it's pro-poor, and and there's some elements to that. But realize also in chapter 1, there are rich people in this church. And so you've got people here that are looking down on other poorer people. So there is some class distinction going on here, but the church did have people within it that would have had some means. That's how they have a place to meet. It would take somebody that has some type of money or means For the church to even have a place to meet. So this is not really classic Marxist, you know, class warfare stuff going on here. This is good old-fashioned human judging, you know, by outward appearances and showing favoritism to people, not based on the way God looks at people. God looks at the heart, and God sees dignity in every person. And we do know there is this great inversion that happens with the gospel. That, That is a truth. The gospel does invert the order of this world. You know, in this world, if you've got money, all of a sudden you're important. You know, if you have clout or money, I've always noticed this about uh, sometimes people that, that have lots of money, it seems like they become experts on everything, even though they don't know anything about a subject. But just because they have money, people listen to them more. So there is this thing that happens in human society that's pretty ubiquitous. It's happened forever. 
we do show distinctions to people that have more money. And this is true. But when we see this principle in Scripture, there is this inversion that happens according to Scripture. When we see it in the Song of Mary in the Magnificat, uh, we see it in other places like in the teachings of Jesus. We see it in the teachings of Paul. Um, okay, just think about the Magnificat, what Mary says. She says in Luke 1, 51 through 53, He has scattered those who are proud in the inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. This idea of haughtiness, God does not like a proud heart. God loves humble people, and typically poor people are humble, and they depend on God. And they should receive, in some sense, be looked at more highly because of their humble estate. That's weird for us. But blessed are those who are poor in spirit. We also see in Paul the same inversion. Think of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, that none may boast before him. So there's this humbling effect where the poor seem to be favored. Now, I believe a lot of this is poor people, if you've noticed, like I said earlier, are more open to the gospel. They're more dependent upon God and what happens with rich people typically is they're self-reliant. Now, let me clarify something really quick. If you're listening to this podcast, more than likely, according to James, you would be rich. Americans, even some lower middle class Americans, would be considered rich compared to the poor of the ancient world. The poor of the ancient world, they're wondering if they're going to get their next meal. So, it's a completely different level of poverty. So, as we read this, we can't start thinking about other people we know that have money and go, well, this passage is talking about them. No, it's talking about us. Pretty much all of us listening to the podcast today would fall under this category. Now, I know I'm running out of time, but one thing interesting here is James says, why would you show distinction to these rich people? They're the very ones oppressing you. Now, what's happening typically, this is what I think is happening and what happens in church history as these Christians go and are dispersed into new towns, they are vulnerable and they're taken advantage of. And it's the rich people that have taken advantage of them, have defrauded them, have taken them to court and used their favor to get good judgment against them. So part of the persecution they're experiencing as they go in these new towns as Christians is from more wealthy people. A lot of times wealthy Jews that are against the movement of the gospel that's happening too. Our wealthy people in general are taking advantage of their situation because they're needed. And we know that happens. Think of price gouging that happens during a crisis. Think refugee populations sometimes are taken advantage of. They're trafficked and other bad things happen to them. And that's what James is referring to. This has been around for a long time. So the takeaway for us today, very practical lesson, is we don't need to show distinctions to people just because they have status or money. 
God actually champions the humble and the poor. And we should too as his people. We should be the advocates for people that are weak, that don't have a voice. Well, I hope this reading from James has edified you, has built you up. I know it's taught me a few things and it's humbled me as I think about the God we serve. That we have the same vision for those that are poor as God does. Because if we don't, according to James, we're blasphemous if we do not see the poor the way God does. Well, God bless. I hope you come back and join us tomorrow as we continue in the book of James. <music>